This is Will Ford from Football 365, and you're listening to At the Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast. What's up, everyone? You're listening to At the Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast your number one source for all things Chelsea. This week, we are going to be talking about online abuse and the impact it can have on the modern day player, as well as reviewing our games against Burnley and Wren. Now here are your hosts all the way from the UK, Mikey Berth and Chris. Welcome back everyone to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. We are recording this as per usual on a Thursday for us in the UK. It is the start of lockdown 2.0. Uh, the sequel nobody nobody really hoped for, it's, it's here. Uh, it's also bonfire night, so that's always a positive, even though we can't go out and see any fireworks. That's, that's a, yeah, but it, it's podcast day, positive vibes, as always. I'm joined by Berth and Chris. How, how are we doing, lads? Yeah, I'm good. I'm really good. I'm sure there'll be plenty of fireworks on this podcast, as always. Looking Ooh. forward to it. Chris, Ooh. how are you getting on? Lovely little pun there, Berth. I know. Right, I know. fantastic I know. stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm really good, though, thanks. But there we go. There we go. No one's tired this week. I'm a little bit tired. Just throwing that out there. I've had a week off this week. I've had a week off, so I'm I'm recharging the batteries. I'm good to go. I'm full of energy. Let's get into it. You've been given a nice rest. You're you're ready to get back in the team. That's that's good. Exactly. Well, with that, we'll we'll head straight into the newsroom and see what the latest goings on are at Stamford Bridge. First up, we're, we're at news. Uh, obviously, it's, it's not it's not good news, but we, we're going to wish Kai Havertz all the best. Obviously, unfortunately, he's been uh, diagnosed with COVID-19. And that's why he hasn't been featuring in training recently. So, obviously, hopefully a speedy recovery and, um, yeah, everything good on that front going forward. But first up, for game reviews, we're going to be heading to Old Trafford. No, we're not. Why have I wrote that? First, I don't know where I'm going with this. First up, we're heading to uh, Turf Moor, actually. <laughs> that was terrible. But yeah, we're heading to Turf Moor. Werner onside. Werner. It's a fantastic three for Chelsea. They are ripping Burnley apart. This is a team that is taking shape. So we come away from Turf Moor with three being the magic number, a 3-0 victory over Burnley. After a long away trip from Russia in midweek, uh, a game which saw goals from Ziyech, Zuma and Werner, I'll share my thoughts in a second, but some quick points here. Ziek was wonderful. Mount was top class. It's a fourth clean sheet in a row. What were your thoughts from the game, guys? Yeah, I thought it was a, a complete performance, to be honest. I think Ziek adds that killer instinct that we've been missing, that sort of vision, that, that killer pass that we've been missing for the past couple of years now. So it's really good to see him fit, really good to see him playing well and gelling with his other teammates, with Werner, with Abraham, you know, with Mount as well. So it was really good defensively, solid again. Thiago Silva, Mendy looked so, so solid. well as well. Really good performance, really complete, and I'm really happy to have the three points. Yeah, I actually think it was our best performance of the season. I thought it was mm-hmm. the most sort, of, most sort of complete performance we've had so far. Defensively solid. Thought Mount was outstanding, playing as the number eight, which is his best position. Uh, I agree with what Berth said. I thought Zoya really had something he that his assist for Werner is the sort of passes that other players in our team have been getting wrong. And mm. he just has that, has that extra bit of quality that really makes a difference in that final third, but all round top performance. Yeah, for sure. I mean, four clean sheets in a row. It, it, it's amazing what happens when you have a respectable 
goalkeeper between the posts. I mean, that, the, the defence, they just have confidence in Eduard Mendy. And I could, and I stress could, he could be our signing of the summer. Obviously, we had a huge internal talent. But for me, the huge upturn and improvement that defensively we've experienced since he's come into the squad has been absolutely phenomenal. Another new signing was Hakim Ziyech. Wonderful on the ball. It reminds me a lot of prime Wan Mata because it's just a similar technique. It's just quite wonderful. I don't know, obviously, Chris, you mentioned Ziyech. Do you, do you sort of see what I mean by when I say prime Wan Mata? Yeah, I agree with that, actually. I think he is very similar in the way he plays. He he could play as a number 10, and like, like Mata did during his best years at us, but then later on, Mata obviously has been playing on the right-hand side, but that's what Ziyech does as well. He plays on that right-hand side, but he always comes and plays in an almost number 10 position, sort of inside right. He's never he's never giving whip on that side. He, he drifts into areas where he can't be marked, and his vision and execution of passes is top class. Yeah. Sure. I, I, if I'm all right to add something, I think what makes it so hard to defend against our right side now is obviously, talk about Ziet coming inside, he's almost like a, a right inside forward now, and that allows Reese James to bump forward and give our width. I think Dad Adol said it last night that, Rhys James is really sort of flourishing now from Ziyech playing just inside on that right-hand side. And it, it's getting the best out of Rhys James, not just Ziyech as well. So it, it's good for Ziyech, good for us, good for Tammy, good for Timo. It's also good for Rhys James. It's making them look like a million dollars at the moment. Yeah, 100%. Uh, another one was Thiago Silva was rested in midweek, but obviously against Krasnodar. I know listeners going to be like, what? But obviously it's quite far back that game was now. But... That was a top decision from Lampard. You know, he might be in his late 30s now, but he showcases why PSG wanted to keep hold of him. And he was, again, instrumental in our defence. I mean, he was as well in the Champions League, which we'll touch on. But Thiago Silva's been another top, top standout signing. And he costs nothing. I mean, you could argue that our two most influential signings this year could be our two cheapest ones. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, I mean Thiago Silva, for me... So far, he has been the sign of the season. I know Mendy's been fantastic, but Thiago Silva, you can tell how good of a leader he is. He's got that John Terry factor. He reads the game so, so well. He organises. And again, like Ziyech, it's something that we've been missing over the past couple of years, that sort of organiser, that leader. And again, mm. I, I just it, as the season goes on, it really could gain us 10, 15 points having him in the side. Yeah, 100%. One player, I'll, I'll bring him up. I'm bringing him up because I'm giving him a bit of love. I've been a bit cruel to him. But in recent games, I've been critical of N'Golo Kante. But fair play to him against Burnley. Football 365 brought him up as an early winner for good reason. You know, he was composed throughout the game. He was drifting around. If a Burnley player stopped, shield the ball, he's onto them. Down the neck, on their heels. He was an absolute nightmare for Burnley to deal with. He's great in possession. It was just a top-class performance. And that's what we know he is capable of. You know, he, he's not meant to be far up the pitch. He's meant to be in that defensive midfield sort of slot and just doing what N'Golo Kante does. I think we can all agree when he's in that role, he shows why he's, you know, one of the best in that role. I think I think when he plays deeper, I think that's where he is best at. I think, you know, I think we can all agree that when he is further up the pitch and he's on the ball, he does look a bit lost. And, mm. and that's OK to say. Like, it's not knocking him at all. It's just we know how good he is further back in the pitch and, you know, how good he's at breaking up the play and how good he is at reading the game. And against Burnley, you know, he had that role, that holding role, and he, and he was superb. He's fantastic. That's where he should be, really. Just further back, not high up the pitch, winning the ball and breaking up play. Yeah, I think I've always disagreed with people that that is his best position because 
in that that diamond, that sort of triangle in midfield sitting in front of the back four, he, he's never done it before. People think he has, but he hasn't because he's always played in a midfield too. Yeah. So it's not the same It's not the same role. And I don't think he's ever been disciplined enough before to play that role. He always gets attracted to going and chasing the ball. But I thought against Burnley, he was really disciplined. He didn't get attracted trying to close things down that was nothing to do with him. And I thought that's why he had such a good performance. And I think with the fact that he, he has lost a bit of his legs now and he is getting older, I think that will be his best position and he'll he'll have to learn that discipline side of the game. But if he does, he'll be he'll be top class in that position. Yeah, 100%. So, another league game out of the way. I think it's time we now head to the, the Champions League. Chelsea continue to roll. It's a third straight win for them and their unbeaten run stands at 10 matches in all competitions. They're comfortable and in control of their destiny now. Chelsea 3, Ren 0. <laughs> Another three goals, but a clean sheet again. Another clean sheet. And just an interesting fact, no goals conceded in the Champions League so far, which is it's quite that's quite something, I think, after three games. Um, Timo on penalties is, is the way forward for sure, in my opinion. He was just so confident. And like I said, he just strikes the ball. And if, he, if it was to be missed, it would be a bit of a shame. But, you know, it, it's just better than the hop-skip-jump technique, in my opinion. Again, Thiago Silva and Mendy signing so far this season easily. Another top, top performance from both. And Kante again. I mean, the same names we're going to keep saying. He looks fantastic. Back to his best, possibly. Kova. Kova was a bit off the pace for me. I mean, maybe that could be a lack of match fitness. It, it does play a part. And, and let's not forget, he did just become a dad for the first time. And as Chris can vouch for, that's a very tiring job. It's a tiring job. Yeah. Uh, yeah, especially when you're not used to it. You know, this is not FIFA, folks. You can't just sort of turn it on every single game and be fine. Full stamina bar. So, but what, what were your highlights from that game, guys? Um, I mean, for me, I thought our two sort of... I think everyone played well. I don't think anyone had a bad game. But for me, Reese James and Tammy, I thought were brilliant last night. I think they were superb, especially Reese James. His deliveries just seemingly get better and better. And they're consistent as well. It's, it's rare that you see someone being great cross after great cross after great cross and he does it a lot and you know fair play to Tammy he got on the end of one he got his goal and I'm glad he got his goal because past couple of games he's played really well and he, his, his link up play is getting better as well and he looks full of confidence and he when he gets his chance he is playing well so it's, it's good to see it's good to see the English lads play really well yeah it's he's almost like the Cobham Cafu as they keep saying <laughs> I can sort of see because he's 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 absolutely been incredible you know, yeah, um, his, his defending's got better as well. I mean, his discipline. I mean, last year, I think he just seemed a bit lost at times. He's, he's too far up the pitch, but it's similarly as if he's got a new engine on him now and he's getting up and down and he's defending much better. He's stronger on the ball, looks more comfortable on the ball. I think the good thing about Reese James is as well, nothing seems to phase him. He seems like a really cool head. I mean, he just looks like the coolest person on the planet. And th that's only good for us going forward, really. Yeah, I, just on the Abraham thing, I think actually he's he's had a pretty decent start to the season. Abraham, I think he's yeah. he's had an impact off the bench in the games where he's he's come on as a sub. He obviously he got he got the I think it was the equaliser, wasn't it, against West Brom? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, and I was really pleased he got his goal last night. I thought he he's taking up much better areas. I think this season uh, he he's sort of when he does play, he's staying in the width of the goal and he's giving us a focal point to play off. I agree with what you said, Berth, about. His link-up play has got better. I think that helps having better players around him. Yeah, yeah. But I think, yeah, I think he has actually had a decent start to the season, Abraham. And 
he will be pushing for that start, especially with the fact that Werner's performing okay out on the left at the moment. But in terms of the whole game, I actually didn't think it was a very good performance. I thought it was okay. I thought it was a game we sort of, we coasted through. I think after the second penalty went in, I think everyone just accepted that the game was over. Mm. Ren sort of coast, coasted through the game as well. They didn't put too much effort into it. Although I thought they was they was pretty good, actually, Ren. I thought they played some good football, especially with 10 men. I mean, they dominated the ball. They had more possession than we did, which was disappointing when we had a man extra. But I thought Thiago Silva, again, was absolutely superb. Yeah, His, yeah. He just, he just defends the little things that can turn into a, a, a big issue. He just defends it at the first instance, and then and then we move on. He played that one great pass for Reese James, and I think it's actually incredible when you see how he's performing that we managed to sign him as a free agent with no one else interested. When you look at Man City needed a centre back, Man United need a centre back, Liverpool, Liverpool now now yeah. need a centre back, and no one else took a, took an interest in him, and and we got him with ease. And I think he's showing the level that he's been at now for the last few years. Unbelievable player. Yeah, I mean, on Thiago Silva, I think the only other side that were linked to him was Serie A side Fiorentina, which, you know, you think good team, very good team, but you feel that maybe they looked at his age and thought, mm, no, not, not not worth the risk there and his wages. But for me, he was taken off with the job done in the 70th minute on Wednesday. And in the two minutes before, you know, he played a wonderful defence split in, but crossfield ball for Rhys James to create a chance. And before, he expertly cut out a dangerous cross at his own front post and lambasting Ben Chilwell for not putting out the cross in the first place. You know, that leadership quality again, you say that. Uh, with Virgil van Dijk out injured, is, is there a better centre-back playing in the Premier League right now than Thiago Silva? Huge I mean, question. No, it's a big question. On current form, you could definitely put an argument forward that he's probably the most informed centre-back at the minute. Obviously... With everyone fully fit, you'd say Van Dijk, Laporte. You know, he's, he's got to be in the conversation on current form, definitely. Yeah, 36 as well. 36. Yeah, he doesn't Amazing. look 36. I mean, he plays. I mean, I, I said it the other day, but I just wish we had him when he was 31, 32, so he'd get four or five years out of him. Because at the moment, he's, considering he's 36, he's playing incredible. He really is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah 100%, 100%. So we'll be back to talk our main topic after this. For all you budding kit collectors out there, Get Shirty offer you the chance to add to your kit collection without ever knowing what you've bought. Just order a box at getshirtyshop.co.uk and await the arrival of your new shirt. All kits are authentic, brand new with the tags still on and available in all sizes. Remember, you can support our podcast by using the code at the bridge pod at the checkout. So that's getshirtyshop.co.uk. What are you waiting for? Welcome back, listeners. This week's topic, it's going to be a serious one. You know, the only, it's its the almost social media aspect of the abuse that goes online of, of footballers. Now, we chose to talk about this in particular because Mason Mount in recent weeks, he's been the subject of some incredibly horrendous online abuse. Now, as always, we credit the people behind the articles we use on this show. This time, we're going to be looking at various pieces written by both Daniel Childs of Absolute Chelsea and Simon Johnson of The Athletic. Now. As fans, we all have our views and our opinions on a player, the team, and much more. We can praise as well as criticise, but let's get this clear. Criticism is not the same as abuse. Social media, we all know far too well, can be a toxic environment. 
Over the years, Chelsea players such as Willian and Gary Cahill have found themselves targets of online abuse. And it's, of course, not limited to just players of our club, but every club. It, it won't take long to find disgusting tweets or posts about a player playing for any team across the globe, be it Manchester United, Real Madrid, Juventus. You, you get the idea. Now, I'm going to going to lead this topic with a question. Why do so many people make these posts and feel this is almost acceptable behaviour to share on social media? What do you think, guys? I have no idea. I think, like you said, social media is just very, very toxic. I think some people do it for attention, for likes. You know, um, I don't know why they do it because I just think people are idiots who do it. Um, mm. I mean, that's the only way you can describe them, really. You, they wouldn't do it in person. That is a fact. In most of the time, these accounts that abuse, say you Mason Mounts, Jorginho's, Lampards, whoever. Most of the time, their, their profile pictures are sort of them with the player in them, or it's not actually them. So they're hiding, really, and that's what they're cowards. They're hiding behind the keyboard, and they're just cowards. So I think they can get away with it, and they really shouldn't. They should be banned automatically for any sort of abuse. I think it's it's a disgrace, really, some of the things I've seen on Twitter, especially towards Tammy last year. and Oh, you know, yeah, to, true. You know, to Mount and to, well, I'm sure every Chelsea player's got abuse. Um, but, yeah, it's it's just disgusting to look at, and no... No football club, no football fan wants to see that from their so-called supporters. No, I, I don't understand what goes through people's heads when, when they when they post this stuff. I just, I don't understand. I mean, everyone knows I didn't like Willian, but I didn't go abusing him online. I can, I can mm. criticise him for a performance, but I never went into like a personal attack on him. I haven't got a problem with him as a person. I just didn't like him as a player, and that, I think that's that. That's the difference between criticising and abusing someone. You can talk about how, how a player has played, but when you start getting personal and then you hear these things about when they start bringing their families and that into it and you just think, what is wrong with these people? Like, why? Why is that accepted that because it's on somewhere like Twitter that it, it's fine and it, it's not it's not going to affect anybody? But it does. It, it mm. For me, it's the same as abusing someone in, in the street. So it needs to be policed better. I think that's why they do it, because it isn't policed very well. Yeah, I did write that in my little notes thing. I put, you wouldn't do it in the street. And I think the reason is because it's almost the anonymity. You know, you can, as you said, Berth, you, you've got a picture of a player or whatever. And it's almost like that gives them the, that, the mask. It gives them the, the confidence to be a bully and post this. This is just ridiculous you know, of course, it's nonsense, but it's also just horrible. And, you know, of course, it's going to get into people's minds and they're going to start to, you know, maybe dwell on it. You know, we've all potentially suffered some form of abuse in our life, be it at school, bullying. You know, it's it's that toxicity. And I think it's also in, enhanced and caused by seeing other people do it online. They almost feel like it's acceptable. And it, it never is. I mean, again, you bring up the Tammy Abraham from, I think it was last year, was it the Super Cup where he missed a penalty? Yeah, yeah it was, oh, yeah. What, what horrible tweets we were seeing. And you just think, why have you tweeted? Why? That's not, it's it's just wrong. It's as simple as yeah. that. And, you know, Chris as well brings him back William. He doesn't like William. It's quite well known. But he didn't go out and criticise him as a person, just as, just as a player. But it wasn't, it was a criticism, not abuse. And that's the difference. You know, there are a few incidents over the years that come to my mind, two signings Chelsea have made in recent times that they've not turned out how us fans would have liked, and that's Murata and Bakayoko. But the toxicity that was shown towards both of them was, as Daniel Charles in his article points out, it was less than savoury. 
and it, it led to the most innocuous of Instagram posts as reason to spark another triad of hate. You know, Bakayoko was booed by a section of fans when he was shown a yellow card in an away game to Watford in February of 2018. Um, he obviously, in this article, he continues with another example of Jorginho, a player who became one of the centres of fan anger under Sarri. I mean, this abuse it infamously spilled over from social media into the ground. During a Europa League game, he was brought on as a sub against Malmo. And you could hear booing from all around the ground. And then later on in a home game against Wolves, there's sarcastic cheering when he subbed off. Now, for me and all of us, I'm sure it's just totally unacceptable. You know, there is a factor that I feel even in 2020, many miss. And that's the mental impact of this abuse. The Athletic reported following a home defeat to Southampton that Callum Hudson-Odoi had been affected so much by this abuse he'd been receiving that he was having to go up to teammates for reassurance. Now, this is a young man who's questioned himself for his ability because of the consistent backlash that he's receiving from the people who are meant to be cheering him on and supporting him. Uh, how do you feel online abuse has impacted players on and, more importantly, off the field? Well, I think... I think especially in this sort of current climate where there are no fans in the stadium, players aren't really getting any form of praise, so to speak. Yeah, obviously they get the praise online, but players feed off that buzz in the stadium. They feed off them, off the fans cheering them on and this and that. They haven't got that anymore. They haven't got that buzz. So all they're really seeing on Twitter or on Facebook, Instagram, whatever, 75% of what they're seeing is abuse. Now, mentally... That cannot be good for anyone. I don't know if, if that was me looking on my Twitter and people saying, oh, you're, you're terrible, you're this and that, or, you know, and oh, seeing death threats and stuff like that and things that are like far too sort of extreme to say on a podcast. You know, I'd, I'd be absolutely traumatised. I wouldn't want to go and play football. I mean, this is the thing, though. Mentally, I would not want to step on a football pitch because I'd be scared of what people would think mm. in this current climate because there's no fans. So the pressure's on even more. And all I'm seeing online is abuse. So how would that make anyone feel? Awful. Yeah. I think, I think sometimes these people forget that footballers are humans. Like, yeah. Yeah, that, that, they are they're celebrities now. That's, that's just how football's gone. They're all, they're all in the public eye now. And yeah, they earn a lot of money, but they're still people the same as anybody. You know, things that other people say to them is going to affect how they're feeling mentally. And you do wonder whether... When you see players and it looks like they're not trying hard enough in a game or they're not they're not running the, the, the same way they normally do or things like that, it does make you wonder whether they've seen all this abuse online and they're thinking, I don't why would I wanna do my best for, for these fans? They they obviously have got a problem with me. So you must lose motivation for playing for the club. Even though they may, I know they're professionals and they're under contract and I paid a lot of money to play. But most footballers play for supporters. They play for some sort of praise or to do well for, for, for the fans. And if the fans are only giving you abuse, you must lose some motivation on the pitch to do your best. Yeah, you, you mentioned that as well. When you think about it in a almost let's normalise the job and just call it a job instead of oh, a footballer. We, If we're in a, a toxic environment and you're working in one, you don't want to, you don't feel that passion for the job. I mean, you know, if you love your job, that's an amazing, amazing feeling because, you know, a lot of us go to work to, to earn money, pay our bills, you know, and, and live a life. But if you also have, if you're going to work and 
it be it the people or the atmosphere in general. You know, we've all probably worked in a place where the atmosphere's been maybe it's not great. Maybe it's been bad, toxic even. And it affects how you do your job. And, you know, then you're criticised because, oh, you're putting in a poor performance at your job, when it's 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 outside influence as well. Um, one thing that in recent seasons, this this really winds me up, and I'm pretty a chilled, laid-back kind of guy, but this gets me kind of mad, is this red crosses through players' pictures. I'm sure you guys know what I'm on about. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's I'm, just, I'm with you on this one. Oh, it's so wrong, and it? it's just attention-seeking. And for me, you ignore it. But anyone who does that, you can't be considered a fan, not even a football fan. You know, nobody who abuses a player or anyone can be considered a, a fan. You know, you support players going through a tough time as you would a positive run of form. Um, many a fan want to see young players given a chance, but when we're finally giving them an opportunity, they're then subject to hate if they put in a, a below-par performance or have an inconsistent patch of form. Another thing that I feel doesn't help is hype. You know, you hear he's the yeah. next Messi, the next Ronaldo, you know, and that's also that mental impact of that. That pressure on a young man's shoulders can be for many just, just too much and it affects their on-pitch performance. You know, you've seen many a player over decades who are the next big thing and they've, they've just not reached those heights. They might have had a respectable career or they might not have even had an OK career. And that's the pressure of all kinds of things on them. You know, and to hear that about Hudson Adore, it's just horrible. You know, you I think I think pressure mixed with sort of this toxicity of Twitter is is not a good mix. It's really, really not. Um, mm. I think it's it's sort of mixing alcohol with drugs almost. You're just asking for sort of uh, a big clash, basically. And it, and it cannot be good for, for mental health of footballers. It really, really can't. I think if I was ever a professional of any kind or famous of any kind, I just wouldn't have social media. Yeah, I, I can see think. why, yeah. Because social media has been good for a lot of reasons, but it's also been bad for a lot of reasons. I think in 2020, with what's everything that's going on, I think you're better off not having Twitter or Instagram. And I know it's a way of sort of interacting with your friends that you can't see now, but as a footballer, I don't think I'd want it in this day and age because obviously I'm not getting anything from the fans in the stadium. I, I, I don't want to go home and get a load of abuse because you can't do anything when you're at home at the moment. So why would I want to go on Instagram or, or Twitter to just be abused? Yeah. Do you see? Do you see what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, hundred percent. I think that's why a lot of a lot of the top players now, especially, they have their social media managed by someone else, don't they? Yeah. So they yeah, do they, do, yeah. they just tell them what to post, then they post it. They they filter out the comments. They they probably feed back some of the good ones to them. But that's how I would do it if I was a footballer. I wouldn't manage my own social media because I wouldn't want to sit there after a bad game when you're already down and then looking through Twitter and just seeing people giving you loads of abuse. Yeah. The, the only thing I would say is like, I do think sometimes you hear about celebrities who are getting really affected by this sort of thing. And you do think, just don't go on it. Yeah. You do have that yeah. It's not like getting bullied at school where you can't get away from that person. If you're getting loads of abuse on Twitter, just don't go on there. It's, it, it is that simple sometimes. And I, I do think, think sometimes footballers do need to take a break. When things aren't going well, I would advise all all players, just don't go on Twitter. It's not worth it. But the thing yeah. is, you, you go back to the pressure sort of situation, you look at players like Mason Mount and Sammy Abraham and, and Hudson Adoy. A lot of young kids, especially in like the Chelsea Academy, will be looking up to these. Like some people generally think, oh, they're my heroes. So the pride of Mason Mount and Sammy Abraham, they'll want to go on social media, they'll want to promote things, they'll want of to course, look and yeah. sort of give advice and this and that. So it's, 
it's their pride as well. Would they not want to go on it? it it's it's a difficult one, really. Yeah. But I, yeah. We yeah. all go. I think as well, just because you don't have an account, you know, your name is still going to be spoken about online, and we're all we're all prone to having a look. You know, I'm sure we would all. What I'm going to search my name, see what what I'm being spoken about, because we want to. Of course, we want to hear about positives. But let's be honest. We can have 10 positive comments said to us, but the one negative is going to stick out to us. And, you know, that that's that's the thing. There's, it's going to have to be policed better, 100%. You know, the social media websites, the Facebooks, the Twitters, the Instagrams, they're going to have to help as well by stopping these, these trolls or whatever you wish to call them, because otherwise it's just going to keep carrying on. And again, maybe there'll be some law enforcement, a law to do with it, that would obviously help as well. Um, I'll return to what inspired us to cover this particular topic, and that's Mason Mount. So we'll we'll talk about him as a player. And for me, you know, Mason, he's done more than enough in his debut season. And he's had incredible loan spells at Vitesse and Derby to justify his inclusion in any in any eleven. Of course, he's not great on the wing. That, but that's that's not his fault. That is not his position. Would you expect Jorginho and Kante to play on the wing in Excel? No. But Mason Mount gives 100% effort, 100% of the time, never, ever in doubt. And he clearly has the IQ and work ethic to succeed. Now, most fans would agree when I say, let's wait till he gets that run in his preferred position and then judge him if he's good enough for Chelsea long term from then. Because obviously he's almost been shoehorned into a lot of squads, which isn't his fault. If he's been picked, he's going to do his best. Now, Berth, Chris, what are your thoughts on Mason Mount's performances so far? I, I really love Mason Mount. I think he's done more than enough to justify his place in Chelsea's team and England's team, for that matter. I think he's first star. I think left wing definitely is in his position, but I don't think he's bad there. I think the problem with that is that we have a lot of options other than him there. Like we have Hudson Adore, who weren't playing. I think that's what sort of magnified sort of Mount's performances on the wing I think he's better as a number eight I think he's a very intelligent player he picks up really intelligent pockets of space he's very technically gifted great on the ball great shot on him great uh set piece taker I think he'll only get better you know he's still very very young people forget that he had one great season his first season in the Prem brilliant he's done well for England whenever he's paid for him I think he has got a lot of pressure because there's a lot of hope to him but I, I do think his potential is really, really high, and I think he will get there at Chelsea. Mm. He is an unbelievably talented player with a lot of potential, and I, I really don't understand. He's the sort of player that Chelsea fans have been asking for for the past five years. A, a young player who loves the club, who wants to be there, who will give everything, who's good enough to play in the team. I really don't understand what anyone's problem is. He's Sometimes he is shoehorned into the team, but that's because... I think Lampard, as a manager, it, he's a player who Lampard trusts and that he'll put him in a position and he'll do a job there and he'll give 110% and he'll never let he'll never let him down. And I think that you know people need to take into account that managers, all managers, do have their, their more favoured players who they know that they will trust to do a job. So they will play more often than not, maybe over someone more talented sometimes, but who's maybe a little bit more sporadic in their in their performances. Mason Mount has been a solid six out of 10. I don't think he's ever got below a six out of 10 because he always puts the effort in. And you can tell it actually means something to him to play for the club. He's sort of the closest thing that we've got to sort of John Terry. 
since Terry left. That mm-hmm. He's been at the club since a kid and he absolutely loves the club and he wants to succeed at Chelsea, not just as a footballer. He wants to succeed at this club. You know, Chris, you've, you've absolutely hit the nail on the head there. I think that's why, if you're a Chelsea fan, that's why it's so frustrating to see online people abuse Mason Mount because you do feel that Mason Mount is, I know this is cliche, but you do feel he's like one of our own. He's a Chelsea fan. He's sort of Chelsea through and through. He sort of, he is like a second coming of Frank Lampard. You know, he, he bleeds blue and this and that. And that's why he is so sort of infuriating that he gets this amount of abuse online. He's, he, you know, he's such a good player, you know, and, and he is Chelsea. It's, yeah, you just, you hate to see him get abused. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me that nowadays a lot of fans are going by numbers, stats. I mean, we, we're so focused on these stats. In this case, goals and assists. Now, Mount doesn't have those crazy numbers, hence he's seen as this horrible player according to social media sometimes. Now, for me, I'm starting to call over the many years this. It's called the FIFA effect, you know, brought on by, yes, the video game, you know. We all here at the Bridge Pod, we watch a lot of Chelsea, naturally for the show, but most people do not watch, and I state watch the game, the 90 minutes. Now, this could be either because they have no access to watch the games, the highlights, or perhaps they don't even have the ability to like analyse the individual players in the game, so they miss out. And that's no fault of their own, but you, know, you miss out on seeing work rate, energy, passing. And here's an interesting point I'd like to make, which... I saw a few fans bring up about Mount and it's, has anyone complained about Mount's bad passing or his vision on any form of social media? No, because he doesn't. He makes smart passes that are often the catalyst for an attacking move. Now I'll end this topic with a quote from Daniel Childs in his article. And it was free speech is a powerful tool and must be withheld through, through that feed of freedom of speech can be used equally to challenge others and if fans want a healthier level of debate, it is a responsibility to confront the issue face on rather than sweeping it under the carpet and letting it fester. So we'll come to questions. Now, each week we answer what you listeners have tweeted us over on Twitter, but sometimes weeks are quieter than others. This was this was kind of one of them weeks. But that leaves us to ask our own question. So this week I'm going to put forward a question, and it's how concerned should we be with Christian Pulisic and his hamstring injuries, and why does he seem to be susceptible to them? So go ahead, guys. Open floor. Uh, I th- I am quite worried. I'm not going to lie. I think I'm worried because of his age and because of how good he is for Chelsea and how good of a player he can become for us. Um, I think if you look at someone like Daniel Sturridge, who, who picked up a few injuries, a few hamstring injuries and muscle injuries, and how his career's turned out, then you'll realise how sort of worrying this can be for Pulisic. And you, you don't want to see a player of that age have so many injuries but you know hopefully once he gets back fighting fit he won't have many more but you never know once you have one muscle injury it's like a domino effect you know it keeps happening and happening so we need to do take care of him and you know you don't want to rush him back into the squad but yeah it's safe to say that I'm slightly worried at the moment about Pulisic the hamstring injury he got at Burnley is it the same hamstring he injured in the FA Cup final oh is that confirmed I'm not too sure. Because if it if it is, then I would say that I'm not as concerned. If it's the other one, then it's more of a concern because that would suggest that he's got a problem in in the just in his hamstrings in general. If it's the same one, then it, it could be something to do with maybe not healing properly, which hamstring injuries are notorious for thinking that they're healed and then you try and do something and they just go again. 
it is a bit of a concern. I think it would be more of a concern, I think, if he comes back from this injury and then he plays eight to ten games and then gets injured again. I think if he if he gets injured, because this one's come relatively soon after the last one, it's not as much of a concern for me. I think if he plays eight to ten games after this injury and then his next injury is a hamstring, then that would suggest that that is a long-term problem that he mm. could have. Yeah, I'm honestly not too sure if it is the same hamstring. I mean, for me, I'm, I'm slightly concerned because as far as injuries go, these days a hamstring injury is not the worst thing. And most times it's not totally career-altering. It can be, but this one seems small as well. But the reoccurrence of these injuries and the fact that he sustained multiple injuries as well in training and now warm-ups, that, that's the worrying sign because it's not full-on 90-minute football. It's only training warm-ups they're not strong you know hamstring injuries are perhaps the most common injury in football this is partly because of how they are obviously strained when sprinting but also because we don't know enough about preventing them now getting this under control could be quite difficult if he is injury prone if he re-injures it again this season i'd start to be pretty worried I mean, these things can go any which way. You know, he can continue to be a great player who gets injured a lot, but still keeps a high level. Now, you might be thinking, that's mad. My, I can't think of anyone. Iron Robin, Marco Royce, both have had similar injuries. Both have been out a long time, but come back and still played at top level. Uh, he could completely outgrow the injuries as well. This, this may be the last one for a while. Or they can keep happening and they could kill his commit career momentum and explosiveness over the course of a couple of years. And that would be so sad and the wasted potential there. But uh, yeah, I can see what both your points are. I'm hoping that it's just a one-off and he comes back. But he naturally, he does rely on that pace as well. It, it's one of them, but it's just it doesn't seem to be too serious from what we've gathered. And hopefully we'll be back very soon, won't we? Hopefully. I mean... Every Chelsea fan has said that he's an important player for us and a massive player for us this season. So we hope he gets back as soon as possible, really. Yeah, I hope I hope he gets rested during the international break because I glanced at a headline that said that he was still getting called up for the USA national team. So surely not. Surely not. It's it is a bit it's a bit crazy, isn't it? When you think about it. It's really crazy. I mean, look at last time Ziyech and Pulisic got called up to their national teams and they haven't even played for Chelsea yet this season, so it's it's frustrating if he gets called up, but mm. who am I to what do I know, eh? We'll have to we'll have to see. I mean it is international break time, so we'll have to we'll get our heads together and think of a topic for next week. But we've probably got one in mind. I'm sure someone has mentioned it in the group chat. So we'll be off pod. We don't talk about the off pod, but we on this occasion, off pod comments and topics will be uh brought up next week i'm sure so so with that we, we've come to the end of another episode of at the bridge pod so naturally it's the plug time so it's bonfire night who's gonna shoot a firework for, i don't know where i'm going with that, who's, yeah, <laughs> um, that no. i'll light a firework i won't shoot a firework. yay yeah yeah that's very i mean that, irresponsible. that's like inspector gadget sort of level <laughs> um but yeah i'll um i'll go um on twitter i'm at chris burford and on Twitter, I am at Chris09Adams. And you can find myself on Twitter and Instagram as that redhead dude. But for all things at the Bridge Pod, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for searching at the Bridge Pod. So you can drop us a like, a follow, keep up to date on all things Chelsea. I've been doing a couple of video out, you know, things on like 
reviewing of games and stuff. Only quick ones since people want that for some reason. So, yeah. I've maybe, also, maybe me and Chris will make an appearance soon. Maybe. That'd be awesome. Knows? We can't, we can't do it together because of uh, no, obviously lockdown. Not, but lockdown too and all that. But. Yeah. I also bought a personalised mug with our logo on because I thought, oh, it's £5. I thought, that's going to be quite nifty. I like that. And you didn't buy your two guests. Well, I, I, mean... I don't know how good the quality is. <laughs> I don't know how good the quality is. When it arrives, it might be me who'd be the mug for buying it. So, oh, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Two, brilliant, two brilliant Amazing posts today. <laughs> Amazing. So, with that, listeners, that's us signing off. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Never miss a match with live commentary, goal alerts, lineups, in-game stats and TV and radio links for over 100 leagues globally. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play.